Section 17 of The Plain Speaker Opinions on Books, Men, and Things by William Hazlitt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Plain Speaker Opinions on Books, Men, and Things by William Hazlitt. Section 17 On Dr. Spurzheim's Theory, Part 2. Dr. Spurzheim, with great formality, devotes a number of sections to prove that the several senses alone, without any other faculty or principle of thought and feeling, do not account for the moral and intellectual faculties. There needs no ghost to tell us that. In his mode of entering upon this part of his subject, the doctor seems to have been aware of the old maxim, divide et impera, distinguish and confound. We have still to examine whether sight produces any moral sentiment or intellectual faculty. It is a common opinion that the art of painting is the result of sight, and it is true that eyes are necessary to perceive colors, as the ears are to perceive sounds and tones. But the art of painting does not consist in the perception of colors any more than music in the perception of sounds. Sight, therefore, and the faculty of painting are not at all in proportion. The sight of many animals is more perfect than that of men, but they do not know what painting is. And in mankind the talent of painting cannot be measured by the acuteness of sight. Great painters never attribute their talent to their eyes. They say it is not the eye, but the understanding, which perceives the harmony of colors. This is well put, and quite true. That is, it is the mind alone that perceives the relation and connection between all our senses. Thus the impression of the line bounding one side of the face does not perceive or compare itself with the impression of the line forming the other side of the face. But it is the mind or understanding, by means indeed of the eye, that perceives and compares the two impressions together. But neither will an organ of painting answer this purpose, unless this separate organ includes a separate mind, with a complete workshop and set of offices to execute all the departments of judgment, taste, invention, etc., i.e. to compare, analyze, and combine its own particular sensations. But neither will this answer the end, for either all of these must be included under one, and exhibit themselves in the same proportions wherever the organ exists, which is not the fact, or if they are distinct and independent of one another, then they cannot be expressed by any one organ. Dr. Spurzheim has, in a subsequent part of his work, provided for this objection, and divided the organ of sight into five or six subdivisions, such as the organ of form, the organ of color, the organ of weight, the organ of space, and God knows how many more. This is evading and at the same time increasing the difficulty. Thus, the best draftsmen are not observed to be always the best colorists. Raphael and Titian, for example. There must therefore be a new division of the organ of sight into at least the two divisions of form and color. Now it is not to be supposed that these organs are thus separated merely for separation's sake, but that there is something in the quality or texture of the substance of the brain in each organ, peculiarly fitted for each different sort of impression, and by an excess of quantity producing an excess of faculty. The size alone of the organ cannot account for the difference of the faculty, without this other condition of quality annexed. Suppose the distinguishing quality of the organ of form to be a certain tenaciousness, that of the organ of color to be a certain liquid softness in the finer particles of the brain. Now a greater quantity of the medullary substance of a given texture and degree of softness will produce the organ of color, but then will not a greater degree of this peculiar softness or texture, whatever it is, with the same quantity of substance, produce an extraordinary degree of faculty equally? That is, we make the fineness or quality of the nerves, brain, mind, atone for the want of quantity, or get the faculty universally without the organ, QED. Dr. Spurzheim does not make an organ of melody and an organ of harmony. Yet he ought, 
if every distinct operation of the mind or senses requires a distinct local organ and if his whole system is not merely arbitrary farther one part of painting is expression namely the power of connecting certain feelings of pleasure and pain with certain lines and movements of face that is there ought to be an organ of expression or an organ in the first place of pleasure and pain which dr spurzheim denies these being general and not specific manifestations of the mind and in the second place an organ for associating the impressions of one organ with those of all the rest of which the doctor also denies the existence or even possibility his is quite a new constitution of the human mind finally every one feels that he thinks by means of the brain when it was urged before that every one thinks that he feels by means of the heart dr spurzheim scouted this sort of proof as vulgar and ridiculous it being then against himself tiedemann relates the example of one moser who was insane on one side of his head and who observed his madness with the other side gall attended a minister who had a similar disease for three years he heard constantly on his left reproaches and injuries he turned his head on this side and looked at the persons what persons with his right side he commonly judged the madness of his left side but sometimes in a fit of fever he could not rectify his peculiar state long after being cured if he happened to be angry or if he had drunk more than he was accustomed to do he observed in his left side a tendency to his former alienation this is an amusing book after all one might collect from it materials for a new edition of the wonderful magazine how familiarly the writer insinuates the most incredible stories and takes for granted the minutest circumstances this style though it may incline the credulous to gape and swallow everything must make the judicious grieve and the wary doubt it is however necessary to remark that all observations of this kind can only be made upon beings of the same species and it is useless to compare the same faculty with the respective organ in different species of animals the irritability is very different in different kinds of animals and why not in the same kind the state of disease proves also the plurality of the organs for how is it possible to combine partial insanities with the unity of the brain a chemist was a madman in everything but chemistry an embroiderer in her fits and in the midst of the greatest absurdities calculated perfectly how much stuff was necessary to such or such a piece of work does our author mean that there is an organ of chemistry and an organ for embroidery king ferdinand would be a good subject to ascertain this last observation upon if i could catch him i should be disposed to try i would not let him go like the cortes the external apparatus of the nerves of the five senses are said to be different because they receive different impressions but how is it possible that different impressions should be transmitted to the brain by the same nerves how can the impressions of light be propagated by the auditory nerve we only know that they are not but how we might ask can the different impressions of sight as red yellow blue be transmitted by the same nerve Platner made the following objection a musician plays with his fingers on all instruments why should not the soul manifest all its operations by means of one and the same organ this observation is rather for than against the plurality of the organs first there are ten fingers which play moreover the instruments present different chords or holes we admit only one organ for music and all kinds of music are produced by this organ hence this assertion of platner does not invalidate our theory but it does though unless you could show that a musician can play only as many tunes as he has fingers on the same kind of instrument dr spurzheim contends elsewhere that one organ can perform only one function and brings as a proof of the plurality of the organs the alternate action and rest of the body and mind 
but if the same organ cannot undergo a different state how can it rest there must then be an organ of action and an organ of rest an organ to do something and an organ to do nothing very fine and clear all this the following passages seem to bear closest upon the general question and i shall apply myself to answer them as well as i can the intellectual faculties have been placed in the brain but it was impossible to point out any organ because organs have been sought for faculties which have no organ namely for common and general faculties general or common phenomena never have any particular organ secretion for instance is a common name and secretion in general has no particular organ but the particular secretions as of saliva bile tears etc are attached to particular organs sensation is an expression which indicates the common function of the five external senses therefore this common faculty has no particular organ but every determinate sensation as of sight hearing smelling taste or feeling is attached to some particular organ in the first place then dr spurzheim himself assigns particular organs for common and general faculties such as self-love veneration hope covetousness language comparison causality wit imitation etc he also talks of the organs of abstraction individuality invention etc it would be hard to deny that these mean more than one thing and refer to more than to one class of sensations in fact the author all through his volume regularly confounds general principles with particular acts and mechanic exercises of the mind secondly he either does not or will not apprehend the precise meaning of the terms common or general faculties as applied to the mind sensation is a common function of the five external senses that is it belongs severally to the exercise of the five external senses but understanding is a common faculty of the mind not because it belongs to any number of ideas in succession but because it takes cognizance of a number of them together understanding is perceiving the relations between objects and impressions which the senses and particular or individual organs can never do it is this superintending or conscious faculty or principle which is aware both of the color form and sound of an object which connects its present appearance with its past history which arranges and combines the multifarious impressions of nature into one whole which balances the various motives of action and renders man what he is a rational and moral agent but for this faculty we find no regular place or station assigned amongst that heap of organic tumuli which could produce nothing but mistakes and confusion the seat of this faculty is one or its impressions are communicated to the same intelligent mind which contemplates and reacts upon them all with more or less wisdom and comprehensive power thus the poet is not a being made up of a string of organs an eye an ear a heart a tongue but is one and the same intellectual essence looking out from its own nature on all the different impressions it receives and to a certain degree moulding them into itself it is i who remember certain objects who judge of them who invent from them who connect certain sounds that i hear as of a thrush singing with certain sights that i see as the wood whence the notes issue there is some bond some conscious connection brought about between these impressions and acts of the mind that is there is a principle of joint and common understanding in the mind quite different from the ignorance in which the ear is left of what passes before the eye etc and which overruling and primary faculty of the soul blending with all our thoughts and feelings dr spurzheim does not once try to explain but does all he can to overturn understanding he continues being an expression which designates a general faculty has no particular organ whatever a determinate species of understanding is attached to a particular organ if so how does it contrive to compare notes with the impressions of other particular organs for example how does the organ of wit combine with the organ of form or of individuality 
to give a grotesque description of a particular person without some common and intermediate faculty to which these several impressions are consciously referred will anyone tell me that one of these detached and very particular organs perceives the stained colour of an old cloak how could it apprehend anything of the age of the cloak that another has a glimpse of its antiquated form that a third supplies a witty illusion or apt illustration of what it knows nothing about and that this patchwork process is clubbed by a number of organic impressions that have no law of subordination nor any common principle of reference between them to make a lively caricature finally it is the same with all common faculties of the understanding of which philosophers and physiologists speak namely with perception memory or recollection judgment and imagination these expressions are common and the respective faculties have no organs but every peculiar perception memory judgment and imagination as of space form colour tune and number have their particular organs if the common faculties of understanding were attached to particular organs the person who possesses the organ of any common faculty ought to be endowed with all particular kinds of faculties if there were an organ of perception of memory of judgment or of imagination any one who has the organ of perception of memory of judgment or of imagination ought to possess all kinds of perception of memory of judgment or of imagination now this is against all experience no more than a person possessed of the general organ of sight must be acquainted equally with all objects of sight whether they have ever fallen in his way or whether he has studied them or not but it is according to all experience that some persons are distinguished more by memory others more by judgment others more by imagination generally speaking that is upon whatever subject they exercise their attention they show the same turn of mind or predominating faculty some people do everything from impulse it is their character under all impressions and in all studies and pursuits is there then an organ of impulse an organ of tune is intelligible because it denotes a general faculty exercised upon a particular class of impressions viz sounds but what is an organ of wit it means nothing for it denotes a faculty without any specific objects and yet an organ means a faculty limited to specific objects wit is the faculty of combining suddenly and glancing over the whole range of art and nature but an organ is shut up in a particular cell of sensation and sees nothing beyond itself one has a great memory of one kind proceeds our author and a very little memory of other things yes partly from habit but chiefly i grant from original character not because certain things strike upon a certain part of the brain but touch a certain quality or disposition of the mind thus some remember trifles others things of importance some retain forms others feelings some have a memory of words others of things some remember what regards their own interests others what is interesting in itself according to the bias and scope of their sensibility all these results depend evidently not on a particular local impression but on a variety of general causes combined in one common effect again a poet possesses one kind of imagination in a high degree but has he therefore every kind of imagination as that of inventing machines of composing music etc or it may be retorted has he therefore every kind of poetical imagination does the same person write epigrams and epics comedies and tragedies is there not light and serious poetry is not mr t moore just as likely to become newton as to become milton or as the wren the eagle yet dr spurgeheim has but one organ for poetry as he says we allow but one organ for tune but is there not tune in poetry has not the poet an ear as well as the musician how then does the author reconcile these common or analogous qualities and the complex impressions from all the senses implied in poetry for instance with his detached circumscribed local organs his system is merely nominal and a very clumsy specimen of nomenclature into the bargain 
poetry relates to all sorts of impressions from all sorts of objects moral and physical music relates to one sort of impressions only and so far there is an excuse for assigning it to a particular organ but it also implies common and general faculties such as retention judgment invention etc which essentially reside in the understanding or thinking principle at large but suppose them to be cooped and cabined up in the particular organ do they not exist in different degrees and is this difference expressed merely by the size of the organ it cannot be the circumstance of size can only determine that such a one is a great musician not what sort of a musician he is therefore this characteristic difference is not expressed by quantity and therefore none of the differences themselves or faculties of judgment invention refinement etc which form the great musician can be expressed by quantity and if none of these component parts of musical genius are so expressed why then it follows as the night the day that there can be no organ of music there may be an organ peculiarly adapted for retaining musical impressions but this without including the intellectual operations which is impossible would only answer the purposes of a peculiarly fine and sensitive ear natural philosophers were wrong in looking for organs of common faculties that's true a speculative philosopher may be satisfied with vague and common expressions which do not denote the particular and determinate qualities of the different beings but these general or common considerations are not sufficient for a naturalist who endeavours to know the functions and faculties of every organic part in particular throughout all natural history the expressions are the less significant the more general or common they are and a distinct knowledge of any being requires a study of its particularities take away the human mind and its common functions operations and principles and dr spurzheim's craniology gives a very satisfactory and categorical view of human nature in material science the common properties may be the least significant but in the mind of man the common principle whatever it be that feels thinks and acts is the chief thing i do not believe then in the doctor's organs either generally or particularly i have only his word for them and reason and common sense are against them there may be an exception now and then but there is everywhere a total want of classification and analytic power the author instead of giving the rationale of any one thing runs on with endless illustrations and assumptions of the same kind the organs are sometimes general and sometimes particular sometimes compound and sometimes simple you know not what to make of them they turn over like tumbler pigeons i should be inclined to admit the organ of amativeness as a physical reinforcement of a mental passion but hardly that of philoprogenitiveness at least it is badly explained here i will give an instance or two a male servant dr spurzheim observes seldom takes care of children so well as a woman women then are fond of children generally not of their own merely is not this an extension of the organic principle beyond its natural and positive limits again little girls are fond of dolls etc is there then an express organ for this since dolls are not literally children oh no it is only a modification of the organ of philoprogenitiveness well then why should not this organ itself or particular propensity be a modification of philanthropy or of an amiable disposition good nature and generosity in general there seems no assignable reason why most if not all of these special organs should be considered as anything more than so many manifestations or cases of general dispositions capacities etc arising from general irritability tenderness firmness quickness comprehension etc of the mind or brain just as the particular varieties and obliquities of organic faculties and affections are attributed by spurgeim and gall to a common law or principle combined with others or with peculiar circumstances the account of the organ of inhabitiveness is a masterpiece of confusion it is an organ seated on the top of the head 
and impelling you to live in high places and then again in low places on land and water to be here and there and everywhere which is the same indifferent and is in short an organ not for any particular thing but for all sorts of contradictions first it is the same as the organ of pride and accounts for the chamois climbing rocks and the eagle the sky for children mounting on chairs and kings on thrones etc but then some animals prefer low marshy grounds and some birds build in the hollows and not on the tops of trees then it looks like a dispensation of providence to people different regions of the earth and one would think in this view that local prejudices would be resolved into a species of habitual attachment but no that would not be a nostrum it is therefore said nature which intended that all regions and countries should be inhabited assigned to all animals their dwellings and gave to every kind of animal its respective propensity to some particular region that is not to the place where it had been born and bred but where it was to be born and bred people who prefer this mode of philosophy are welcome to it no wonder our author finds it difficult to point out the seat of this organ yet he assures us that it must be deep-seated in the brain the organ of adhesiveness is evidently the same as the general faculty of attachment the organ of combativeness i conceive to be nothing but strength of bone and muscle and some projection arising from and indicating these the organs of destructiveness and constructiveness are the same but so as with a difference that is they express strong will with greater or less impatience of temper and comprehensiveness of mind the conqueror who overturns one state builds up and aggrandizes another i can conceive persons who are gifted with the organ of veneration to have expanded brains as well as swelling ideas the head of christ says our physiologist is always represented as very elevated yet he was remarkable for meekness as well as piety spurgeim says of the organ of covetiveness that it gives a desire for all that pleases again dr gall observed that persons of a firm and constant character have the top of their brain much developed and this is called the organ of determinativeness now if so are we to believe that the difference in resolute and irresolute persons is confined to this organ and that the nerves fibres etc of the rest of the brain are not lax or firm in proportion as the person is of a generally weak or determined character the whole question nearly turns upon this say that there is a particular prominence in this part owing to a greater strength and size of the levers of the will at this place this would prove nothing but the particular manifestation or development of a general power just as the prominence of the muscles of the calf of the leg denotes general muscular strength but the craniologist says that the strength of the whole body lies in the calf of the leg and has its seat or organ there not so in the name of common sense when dr spurgeim gets down to the visible region of the face the eyes forehead etc he makes sad work of it an infinite number of distinctions are crowded one upon the back of the other and to no purpose will anybody believe that there are five or six different organs for the impressions of one sense sight viz color form size and so on do we see the form with one organ and the color of the same object with another there may be different organs to receive different material or concrete impressions but surely only the mind can abstract the different impressions of the same sense from each other the organ of space appears to me to answer to the look of wild staring curiosity all that is accounted for in this way either from general conformation or from physiognomical expression is a heap of crude capricious unauthenticated trash i select one paragraph out of this puzzling chaos as a sample of what the reader must expect from the whole what then is the special faculty of the organ of individuality and its sphere of activity persons endowed with this faculty in a high degree are attentive to all that happens around them to every object to every phenomenon to every fact hence also to motions this faculty neither learns the qualities of objects 
in all the details of facts it knows only their existence the qualities of the objects and the particularities of the facts are known by the assistance of other organs besides this faculty has knowledge of all internal faculties and acts upon them it wishes to know all by experience consequently it puts every organ into action it wishes to hear see smell taste and touch to know all arts and sciences it is fond of instruction collects facts and leads to practical knowledge in the next page he affirms that crystallography is the result of the organ of form and that we do not get the ideas of roughness and smoothness from the touch but i will end here and turn to the amusing account of dousterswivel in the antiquary footnote it appears i understand from an ingenious paper published by dr combe of edinburgh that three heads have caused considerable uneasiness and consternation to a society of phrenologists in that city viz those of sir walter scott of the duke of wellington and of marshal bucher the first contrary to the expectation of these learned persons wants the organ of imagination the second the organ of combination and the last possesses the organ of fancy this i confess as to the two first appears to me a needless alarm it would incline me more than anything i have yet heard to an opinion that there is something like an art of divination in the science i had long ago formed and been hardy enough to express a conviction that sir walter's forte is a sort of traditional literature whatever he accumulates or scatters through his pages he leaves as he finds it with very few marks of the mastermind upon it and as to the second person mentioned he has just those powers of combination which belong to a man who leads a bulldog in a string and lets the animal loose upon his prey at the proper moment with regard to prince blicher if he had not fancy in himself he was the cause of it in others for he turned to the heads of many people who fancied his campaigns were the precursors of the millennium i have at different times seen these three puzzling heads and i should say that the poet looks like a gentleman farmer the prince like a corporal on guard or the lieutenant of a press gang the duke like nothing or nobody you look at the head of the first with admiration of its capacity and solid contents at the last with wonder at what it can contain any more than a drumhead at the man of fancy or of the fancy with disgust at the grossness and brutality which he did not affect to conceal these however are slight physiognomical observations taken at random but i should be happy to find my squandering glances in any degree confirmed by the profounder science and more accurate investigations of northern genius dr combe afterwards published a volume on the subject called a system of phrenology it has been often reprinted end of footnote end of section seventeen